of Human Bondage by William Somerset Maugham Chapter 4 Philip parted from Emma with tears, but the journey to Blackstable amused him, and when they arrived, he was resigned and cheerful. Blackstable was sixty miles from London. Giving their luggage to a porter, Mr. Carey set out to walk with Philip to the vicarage. It took them little more than five minutes, and when they reached it, Philip suddenly remembered the gate. It was red and five-barred. It swung both ways on easy hinges, and it was possible, though forbidden, to swing backwards and forwards on it. They walked through the garden to the front door. This was only used by visitors and on Sundays, and on special occasions as when the vicar went up to London or came back. The traffic of the house took place through a side door, and there was a back door as well for the gardener and for beggars and tramps. It was a fairly large house of yellow brick, with a red roof, built about five and twenty years before in an ecclesiastical style. The front door was a church-like porch, and the drawing-room windows were gothic. Mrs. Carey, knowing by what train they were coming, waited in the drawing-room and listened for the click of the gate. When she heard it, she went to the door. "'There's Aunt Louisa,' said Mr. Carey when he saw her. "'Run and give her a kiss.' Philip started to run, awkwardly trailing his club foot, and then stopped. Mrs. Carey was a little shriveled woman of the same age as her husband, with a face extraordinarily filled with deep wrinkles and pale blue eyes. Her gray hair was arranged in ringlets according to the fashion of her youth. She wore a black dress, and her only ornament was a gold chain from which hung a cross. She had a shy manner and a gentle voice. "'Did you walk, William?' she said, almost reproachfully, as she kissed her husband. "'I didn't think of it,' he answered, with a glance at his nephew. "'It didn't hurt you to walk, Philip, did it?' she asked the child. "'No, I always walk.' He was a little surprised at their conversation. Aunt Louisa told him to come in, and they entered the hall. It was paved with red and yellow tiles, on which alternately were a Greek cross and the Lamb of God. An imposing staircase led out of the hall. It was of polished pine with a peculiar smell, and had been put in because, fortunately, when the church was reseated, enough wood remained over. The balusters were decorated with emblems of the four evangelists. "'I've had the stove lighted as I thought you'd be cold after your journey,' said Mrs. Carey. It was a large black stove that stood in the hall and was only lighted if the weather was very bad and the vicar had a cold. It was not lighted if Mrs. Carey had a cold. Coal was expensive. Besides, Marianne, the maid, didn't like fires all over the place. If they wanted all them fires, they must keep a second girl. In the winter, Mr. and Mrs. Carey lived in the dining room, so that one fire should do. And in the summer, they could not get out of the habit so the drawing-room was used only by Mr. Carey on Sunday afternoons for his nap. But every Saturday he had a fire in the study so that he could write his sermon. Aunt Louisa took Philip upstairs and showed him into a tiny bedroom that looked out on the drive. Immediately in front of the window was a large tree, which Philip remembered now because 
the branches were so low that it was possible to climb quite high up it. A small room for a small boy, said Mrs. Carey. You won't be frightened at sleeping alone. Oh, no. On his first visit to the vicarage, he had come with his nurse, and Mrs. Carey had had little to do with him. She looked at him now with some uncertainty. Can you wash your own hands, or shall I wash them for you? I can wash myself, he answered firmly. Well, I shall look at them when you come down to tea, said Mrs. Carey. She knew nothing about children. After it was settled that Philip should come down to Blackstable, Mrs. Carey had thought much how she should treat him. She was anxious to do her duty, but now he was there, she found herself just as shy of him as he was of her. She hoped he would not be noisy and rough because her husband did not like rough and noisy boys. Mrs. Carey made an excuse to leave Philip alone, but in a moment came back and knocked at the door. She asked him, without coming in, if he could pour out the water himself. Then she went downstairs and rang the bell for tea. The dining room, large and well-proportioned, had windows on two sides of it, with heavy curtains of red rep. There was a big table in the middle, and at one end an imposing mahogany sideboard with a looking-glass in it. In one corner stood a harmonium. On each side of the fireplace were chairs covered in stamped leather, each with an antimacassar. One had arms and was called the husband, and the other had none and was called the wife. Mrs. Carey never sat in the armchair. She said she preferred a chair that was not too comfortable. There was always a lot to do, and if her chair had had arms, she might not be so ready to leave it. Mr. Carey was making up the fire when Philip came in, and he pointed out to his nephew that there were two pokers. One was large and bright and polished and unused, and was called the vicar. And the other, which was much smaller and had evidently passed through many fires, was called the curate. "'What are we waiting for?' said Mr. Carey. "'I told Marianne to make you an egg. I thought you'd be hungry after your journey.' Mrs. Carey thought the journey from London to Blackstable very tiring. She seldom traveled herself, for the living was only three hundred a year, and when her husband wanted a holiday, since there was not money for two, he went by himself. He was very fond of church congresses and usually managed to go up to London once a year, and once he had been to Paris for the exhibition and two or three times to Switzerland. Marianne brought in the egg, and they sat down. The cheer was much too low for Philip, and for a moment neither Mr. Carey nor his wife knew what to do. "'I'll put some books under him,' said Marianne. She took from the top of the harmonium a large Bible and the prayer book from which the vicar was accustomed to read prayers, and put them on Philip's chair. "'Oh, William, he can't sit on the Bible,' said Mrs. Carey in a shocked tone. "'Couldn't you get him some books out of the study?' Mr. Carey considered the question for an instant. "'I don't think it matters this once if you put the prayer book on top, Marianne,' he said. "'The Book of Common Prayer is the composition of men like ourselves. It has no claim to divine authorship.' "'I hadn't thought of that, William,' said Aunt Louisa. Philip perched himself on the books, and the vicar, having said grace, cut the top off his egg. "'There,' he said, handing it to Philip. You can eat my top if you like. 
Philip would have liked an egg to himself, but he was not offered one, so took what he could. How have the chickens been laying since I went away? asked the vicar. Oh, they've been dreadful, only one or two a day. How did you like that top, Philip? asked his uncle. Very much, thank you. You shall have another one on Sunday afternoon. Mr. Carey always had a boiled egg at tea on Sunday, so that he might be fortified for the evening service. End of chapter 4